Welcome to How Leaders Lead. I'm Kula Callahan here to bring you another edition of Three More Questions with David Novak. David, it's so great to be with you. How you doing today? I'm doing fantastic and I'm really pumped up because we're going to talk about my conversation with Condoleezza Rice, the former Secretary of State and the current Director of Hoover Institution at Stanford University. And, and I have to tell you, when I was doing this podcast, I literally pinched myself. I'm sitting there saying, I grew up in a trailer court, lived in 23 states by the time I was in seventh grade, and here I am having the opportunity to have a conversation with Condoleezza Rice. I mean, it really blew me away. And then I learned all about Condoleezza, and she grew up in segregated Alabama, and she came out of that environment and ends up becoming Secretary of State of the United States of America. And that's what's so great about this country is that, and it's still happening today, and I know people are down on America and all this stuff and the divisiveness, but let me tell you, there's Condoleezza Rises out there coming up, and they're going to just surprise the heck out of themselves, and they're going to make a huge impact in this country, and you can do it here. And that's what really hit me, and I have to tell you, it was such an honor to talk to her because I don't think I've ever talked to anybody that's smarter, uh, more on top of their game than she is, and so well-respected by, by everybody who has had the opportunity to know her, be around her, and hear what she has to say. So this is a great podcast, and if you haven't listened to it, you owe it to yourself to go back and, and listen to it. And I think you'll really be proud that America is America when you do it. Well, I was certainly grateful to live in a country that's being led by people like Condoleezza Rice. You know, I'm from Birmingham, which is where she's from too. And hearing stories about her past and these lessons that her parents instilled in her from a very early age are so inspiring. And they really did make me feel like I could go out and be Secretary of State one day. That's not probably in the cards for me, but she has this way of communicating that ignites this fire in people. And I agree with you, David. It's one of the best episodes I think we've ever done. And I'm excited to get some of your insights on your conversation with Condoleezza Rice as we dive into our three more questions for today's show. Absolutely. Let's get going. All right. Question number one. I mentioned this before, but I love when Condoleezza talks about the lessons her parents instilled in her as a young girl. One of them was this, there will be no victim. She says, if you play the victim in any scenario, you've given control of your life to someone else. David, what can you say to leaders that will encourage them to not play the victim in their role of leadership? Number one, take accountability. You know, whatever the situation is, own it and get on with it. Number two, if you have this, I deserve it, come out of your mouth, you know, I'm entitled, come out of your mouth, just look in the mirror and go, shame on me. You got to get rid of this deserve it mentality. That leads to a victimitis mentality that I think uh, really just destructs a person and an organization. And so the biggest thing you can do is just take accountability for, for making the best of every situation that you're in. And I've got a great exercise for you on this one because this is one of the things that, that I used to do when I was having an issue with somebody in our company. You know, I remember once I gave some really tough feedback 
publicly to a president of one of our, our divisions. And it needed to be said, and I'm glad I said it. But the person who received that feedback immediately went into this woe is me kind of situation, which wasn't exactly the response I was looking for. So she came into my office and I said, look, let's learn about this. Let's see what we can do. And let's, let's do a victimitis story, each one of us. So I want you to tell me why you were such a victim in that meeting that we had. I want you to lay out everything that's in your head that made you feel like you'd been victimized. Then I get to go. I'm going to tell you why I think I've been victimized, you know, by your reaction to what happened in that meeting. And then you get to go back and say, what could you do differently so that you weren't a victim? And then I'll go back and I'll tell you what I could have done. So I'm not a, a victim. And what it ends up is, is that you both look at the situation and you both realize how you could have been more accountable so that that situation would have never happened. She could have done a better job. And guess what? I could have done a better job. I could have done a much better job of giving her the feedback after I, I learned her victimitis story. <laughs> and, and, and I also looked at how what I had done and now I could have done a better job of, of really handling the situation. But the big thing is, is that, hey, you know what? When you hear yourself whining, it is really a, a sick song, okay? And you know what? Don't catch yourself whining. Get into the, that accountability stage. Get at the top of the ladder of accountability and say, let's get on with it, no matter the situation. That's so good, David. I love it. Running a victimitis report. What a helpful tool to have. I mean, it might seem kind of silly to some, but when you realize that you both could have done better, it evens the playing field in a way that really disarms both parties. You know, I was thinking as I was preparing for this conversation, times in my life where I was under the leadership of someone who was always defensive and always played the victim. And I got to tell you, David, it's not fun following a leader who always has an excuse and who always plays the victim. So if you're tempted to kind of throw up your defenses and say, well, I did it because of all these other things happening in my life, you have to remember that the people you're leading do not want to follow someone like that. And so I think that having kind of those mental checks in mind, like you just mentioned, being at the top of the accountability ladder, running a victimitis report, even if it's just to yourself, will help you stay grounded and, and truthful about what's actually happening. And that victimitis uh, exercise, you know, the other thing it does is it drives vulnerability. You have to open up. You have to let people know what you're, you're thinking. And it, it also says to people that if you happen to be the person with the most stripes in that particular situation, that you're free game. You can take it. So fire away. And I think that vulnerability really leads to much more trust in the end. And I think we both, in, in this particular situation, we both walked out with a much better understanding of how we can move forward in a productive fashion. All right, question number two. Condoleezza had to make a number of unpalatable decisions in her time as Secretary of State, as anyone could imagine. And in those moments, you just kind of have to make a decision and move forward. You don't have a ton of time or resources to research 
and spend the time you might want to spend making the decision. You kind of just have to make it and move on. And I'm curious from your perspective, David, how would you advise leaders to make a wise decision when the stakes are high and there's not really a win for all parties? Yeah, sometimes it's really tough to get the so-called win-win. So you have to look in those situations for what's going to be for the greater good. You got to make that tough call. I remember there was a movie years ago called Sophie's Choice where there's no choice that was really a good choice. You were kind of faced with a you know a tough result in both situations and and those things happen but in the end when you make that tough choice the one that really makes you think a lot you got to think of the greater good for the organization you know i was talking to a a former ceo the other day and, and he was talking about how hard it was to restructure his company their expenses were out of control. The economy was not good. And he had to lay off like a thousand people. And he said, you know, they were good people. They hadn't done anything wrong, but I had to lay these people off. And I, I, I don't know that I've ever really gotten over that. And I think these decisions are, are really hard for, for everybody that, that has to make it. But the reason why I know this CEO made that decision is he knew that he had to so that the company could ultimately thrive and get back on his feet and that they could ultimately hire more people. And they ended up doing all of those things. But man, when that happened, I guarantee you, this was a decision where you lose a lot of sleep on. I always said, you know what? The business results never really killed me. It was the people issues that were always the toughest. You know, when you got to look a person in the eyes that you hired and tell them that they're not making it, that's one of the hardest things that you have to do. But you have to do it because number one, they aren't making it and everybody else in the organization knows that's the case. So you're demotivating everybody when you're not making the, the tough call. And number two, if you get somebody in there who can really do the job, just think how much better the organization is going to be. So you, so as painful as it is, you have to look at this for the greater good. And, you know, that's how I think you, you make these decisions. It's not always equal. It's not always like a, you're on a teeter-totter with somebody that weighs exactly what you weigh, you know, and you're, you're, you're evened out. You know, that teeter-totter never really is totally balanced. And, you know, sometimes it seems out of weight and out of balance, but the leader has to make the decisions that will get you back in balance over the long term. I love that you included that last part, the long term, because as you're talking, I'm even thinking that a helpful practice when you're making these tough decisions is envisioning the organization a year from having made that decision. And if you're able to clearly see that things are better for the most people a year from now when you make that hard decision, I imagine it's a little bit easier to make that decision when you know that it's for the greater good for the most people. You know, it's been documented, but people make decisions basis two things, pain and pleasure. You're not going to do what gives you pain, but you will do what gives you pleasure. And so one of the things you have to do is, I think, ask, what happens if I don't make that decision? How much pain am I going to incur that's going to keep me from pleasure? And I think that's the question you got to ask yourself. What happens if I don't make this tough decision? It's not very palatable, but what happens if I don't? And by the way, if you're the leader, you're getting paid to make that decision. 
And guess what happens? If you don't make that decision, guess what's going to happen? Somebody else is going to make that decision because you're not going to have your job in the end. I've seen this happen over and over again. For the people who can't really make the decision, can't make the tough calls, there's always somebody that can do it better and they end up having the job. That is so true and so powerful. And I hope that the leaders listening who are faced with a decision that might not be easy just are encouraged by that and use these little practices and mental hacks, if you will, to work up the courage to make the decision and know that they'll ultimately be rewarded for it. It's hard to see the silver lining, but you know that's one thing that I think Condoleezza Rice is really good at. She is so positive and sees the silver lining in the situations. And I think nobody wants to work for an Eeyore. You know, they want to work for people who, who see a better world. And if you don't know what Eeyore is, Eeyore is the donkey that's going, whoa, it's going <laughs> to rain. You know, you get the idea. Oh, whoa, is I'm not me. too young to know who Eeyore is. I know who Eeyore is. Okay, well, now, you, <laughs> now well, I'm talking for all those people a little younger than you, maybe. Certainly don't want to work for an Eeyore. All right, let's move on. Question number three. Condoleezza is really passionate about helping leaders motivate other leaders to continue developing themselves. And David, I know that you're also passionate about this. What advice can you give leaders to motivate other leaders to continue developing? I think you have to reward it in your organization. One of the things that we expected our leaders to do was have a documented record of being a people grower. And so when we were doing our annual reviews, we would always ask ourselves, who is this person hired? Who is this person developed? Who is this person retained? And I think that's, that's really important. And the other thing is, is that you got to set the example. You know, as a leader, how are you growing yourself? You know, I think you got to know yourself and grow yourself and, and really force people to really become self-aware on their areas of their strengths and also their areas of opportunity. And we've talked about that before on this show. But I think that, that you know, the best way to really motivate others to continue to develop is to make them know that this is a high priority and you're not going to grow in this company or any company if this doesn't ultimately become a towering strength of yours. Reward people growers in your organization. That's so good. Even incorporating some of those same ideas into quarterly reviews and annual reviews. Who have you retained? How have you developed the people underneath you? I think that that's so important for people to just continue to have top of mind. The other thing too, Kula, that we did now that I think a little bit more about this is we, we had individual development plans. So everybody in the company had their own individual development plans and it forced them to take a look at where they stood today and how they could get even better and have an action plan that would develop them and help them uh, reach their full potential. So if your company isn't giving you an individual development plan, develop one yourself. Don't leave your own development in somebody else's hands. You know, that's why, you know, Jason Goldsmith and I wrote the book, Take Charge of You. You know, we wanted to teach people how to self-coach themselves to success, you know, because that is how you can really transform your life and your, your career. Again, don't be a victim. We talked about it at the top. Don't, you know, take accountability. You know, put your own career in your own hands and grow yourself. When we know better, we do better. And that's what I love about not only developing as a professional, but why I love Take Charge of You so much. It just builds your self-awareness in a way that you understand what it is that makes you tick, 
what you need to cut out of your life and what you need to do to get even better at your craft. And, and cool. That's why we do our podcasts. We want the listener to grow and develop by learning from other leaders. And that's one of the best ways to learn is to learn from people that know more than you about a subject. And uh, the good news is Condoleezza Rice knows a lot about a lot of things. And that's why everyone should listen to that podcast. It's so true. This episode with Condoleezza is truly incredible. I mean, I love all of our episodes, but this one stands out to me as one of the most powerful. So kudos on some great interview questions. And if you haven't listened to it, go back in the feed and download the episode with Condoleezza Rice. I promise you won't regret it. All right, everybody. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of How Leaders Lead. We're on a mission to make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And if you carve out a little time with us each and every week, we'll help you build the confidence you need to lead well. And one more thing, tune in Thursday for my conversation with Bill Rhodes, the CEO of AutoZone. Bill is a terrific leader, people first leader, and has an outstanding track record.